This is Future Lauren coming to you from the editing room. As promised, this is the second half of the conversation that was started in last week's episode. As usual, I'm Lauren, that is Raphael. We are the Pacheco siblings, and welcome to the Hypercube podcast, a talk show in which two siblings converse about anything and everything. Enjoy the show. The last time we got to see a DM play Asmodeus, like, come on. <laughs> when was the last time? It doesn't happen often. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, it's proper Asmodeus, right? It's not even yeah. like Avatar Asmodeus. Yeah. It's not like cultist summoning a portal. You see Asmodeus's hoof through a portal. <laughs> this is like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, totally. He just comes in and, oh my goodness. Well, first off, can we talk about, oh, just some of the most profound moments in this. Like, first, let's start before we get to Asmodeus and like the calamity happening. Yeah. Can we, t- I think there's a whole conversation we need to have about that finale, but like the penultimate episode that, yeah. uh, that sort of PVP scene. Oh, which one was that one? At the, at the tree. <laughs> when everyone starts that's fighting That's the one where, that, that's, that's blight, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Where she blight. blights the tree. See, oh my God. Okay. <gasps> oh, I know, right? Oh, let's get into okay, it. Okay. Like I, that was the second favorite scene. Yeah, that scene. Oh my goodness. I love that scene so much because I was like, whoa, like that was one of the first times that I've seen first off that extent of PVP within any yeah. kind of multi-session campaign. Um, and like, I believed it, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like this yeah. was accessory to the story i felt like this was this was happening and this is part of the story that's being told like these players are genuinely these player characters are genuinely at each other's throats right now like they're they're not trying to kill each other but they're genuinely trying to stop each other and like they're they're fighting over it and then double hold person comes out and it's just like oh Oh, yeah such a unique scenario you rarely get to see stuff like that there's that moment where I keep saying uh, architect or king because I forget. Uh, I've got the names. names. Um, Layrin. <laughs> yeah, because she did it. <laughs> she, she caused blight. Yeah, she, 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 she cast blight. Uh-huh. She caused the the thundering of the of the world tree or whatever that was. Uh, the, the tree of names. That's what they called mm-hmm. it. Um, basically the world tree. <laughs> yeah, basically the world tree. There's that moment where like when, once everything goes like goes down. And I think like it's right after like the third time stop. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a sec. <laughs> and, and and like everything's turned like turns to normal. It's like and he's like, all right, everybody describe how you die. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like the first thing she does is look towards uh, Sam's character. Just like, oh, yeah, loquacious. And, yeah. Uh, and she like her character realizes that like her ambition did this to the person that she loved. And man, that's like, oh, that is so good. It's so hard. It hits so hard because she's just like, up until that point, there was no consequences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Up in that, until that point, it was just pure, pure unbridled ambition. And like, but then it hurt the people that she loved and she was like, uh oh, I done messed up. And it's like, that's, that's, that's a good story, right? It's just like, it's, it's just, it's a very simple story of there's a consequence to your actions, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you do something, something happens in, direct retaliation to that it's just that in this case it's the end of the world (laughs) yeah so the story is just so big it's a very simple story but like the story there is so big and like what she realizes that like her friends are the ones who are who are basically taking the brunt of what she did the one mistake that she made not one she made a lot of mistakes (laughs) they're all accumulated she had made a lot of mistakes that accumulated to this one big thing like that was Oh, that hurt so much, man. Yeah. Oh, my heart. And like, 
And the, and the the whole thing with the prophecy and Nidus, you know, yeah, turning yeah. like and making that whole scene possible too, where it was just yeah. like, you know, I think Lou Wilson was saying he fully expected him to be one of the one of the like yeah. full ambitious characters in the whole thing. And then you hit me with a prophecy. Yeah, and then you hit me with a prophecy. <laughs> he was the one person that got to see that, and then you know, all of a sudden he's like, yep. "Hold on, now my character is second guessing that. everything." I love that scene where he's incited by I think it's incited by Sarek, and uh, he, and the DM says. Well, you know when somebody is lying and when someone is telling the truth. And what you see, it's just like, wait, there's a third option? <laughs> yeah, right. What you see is somebody who desperately wishes that what he's saying is a lie or what he's saying is the truth. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, whoa. That was, yeah. He, Brenton gives some pretty profound, like, insight descriptions on this one well, and, and yeah. a lot of that is he talks about that is part of his process of cl- constant collaboration with the players like apparently he talks with everybody and like does like a psych evaluation between sessions essentially to see where all of yeah, their like, characters are at and so and to get a better get an understanding of their characters as, as yeah. much as they have one that's that is something that i came i came away with like i think the most the, the most important lesson that i came away with which is uh, something that he and some of the other players talked about during the the roundtable stuff was knowing your characters, like like knowing their intentions, obviously, is super important. But so much to the point where when Brennan starts narrating events and saying, like, this is how your character, basically, like, your character is seeing this and then the, them going, you know, I just realized that my character would in this moment feel that way. Of course, obviously. Like, mm. she had that moment with, like, the architect Arcane was he was saying something about the prophecy and it was just like you hear the prophecy but like it's in one ear out the other and she was like yeah yeah it would be yeah i don't care about the prophecy i i don't care about i I actually don't care and then like but those moments i feel like that's where that's where you get that stuff because i realized okay so this is something that i try not to do as a dm talk for players yes your character is feeling this your character does yeah i try not to do that as well he did that a lot yeah and yeah he did that a lot yeah very much. Yeah, I was going to say that's something I tried to avoid. And he did it a lot, but it didn't feel out of place in this one. And no, because not only was it warranted, but you know that it was for the betterment of the story because he was running up like, basically a series of one shots. So just keep yeah, going. Yeah. <laughs> but you like, you know that the players were on board with it. Right? Yes. Because like it wasn't just like, a, wait, I actually wanted to do. OK, well, there he goes. It was like, yes, that's exactly what I was going to do anyways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just got to it faster than I did. Yeah. Yeah. You just streamlined the narrative. And I think that's something that's the thing that's. Mm, there's like that's one of those like mm, that's too powerful a technique kind of things, right? Where it's like that yeah, technique yeah. is too powerful. I wouldn't recommend that is not a, that is not what they call a beginner technique. <laughs> that is no. that is that is that's not even what they would call a gamer move. That's like leagues. High. <laughs> yeah, that's not a pro gamer move. Yeah, that is a very advanced tech. That's a very deadly technique. Yeah, really, it's, it's super deadly. For yeah, sure. yeah, that could end a campaign. Yeah. <laughs> For better or for worse. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is definitely a very advanced DM move. Um, And not one I would, would, for, yeah, all the aforementioned reasons, not not one I would recommend trying unless you have Brennan's process. Like, unless you have that level of uh, limitations and understanding, mutual understanding of the characters. Because, again, he he has to be so involved for uh, these miniseries, he has to be so involved in everybody's character creation and development processes that like he's almost like on equal footing, almost on equal footing with the players in terms of like understanding the psychology of their characters. 
And because because they have say, to be right, like they have to be in order yeah. to make something this short work that well. Absolutely. And I, I feel like that's given me a little bit more like not confidence per se, but just like understanding that sometimes it is OK to say your character does this because it needs to happen for the story to continue. Yeah. Um, as long as like, everyone's on it's board. It's obviously not like, well, it's, it's obviously not going to be like extremely important stuff like in Calamity where it's like you're making like game decision stuff. Like, you know, I'm not going to make any game decision stuff for the characters, but like being able to take characters agency into my hands as a storyteller, I feel like that's something that I have to be willing to do for the sake of getting the story finished mm-hmm. because there's just sometimes where like it's i'll just use for example my my labyrinth one shot that i've run several times i think you've run yeah i've been through it a few twice, times three times three times i think three, i think three times i i'm i have a pl- I have pl- more plans for that one shot <laughs> next time you play it's gonna be completely oh different. no <laughs> there's just a lot of times where it's like one person will go through a door and i know that if that door closes they split the party because they get transported to a new dimension or to, to another room and those rooms don't connect. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, it's been a struggle as a GM to say, okay, now would everybody else like to follow them through that door? Please follow them to the door. Uh, would anybody like to go into the next room and move the story forward? No, you're staying here. Um, the door has a time limit. It's going to close now. And now this party is split. And it's like, I should just be able to say, okay, you open the door, the door closes. Everybody's in the next room. That's super simple. Mm. And it's like, nobody would bat an eye at that. Right, yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing that I need to be comfortable saying. Just like, yeah, like, it doesn't have to be 110% the players all the time, especially if it's a one-shot. For a more open campaign where I have uh, several weeks, several months to be able to say, oh, the party is split. Good. <laughs> now you're all going to be really screwed. And that was your fault. I have a lot more time than that. In a one-shot, it's like, okay, opens, you go through, now we're in the scene. Who wants to cast blight on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely yeah. an important lesson to take along. I think there's a lot of things to learn from the way Brennan narrates in order to keep a story moving. Because he does a lot of little stuff like that, right? A lot of like yeah. uh, speaking for the characters in small ways. Just yeah, like, just to move the story along. It's all for the effect of momentum and pacing. And it works really. Yeah, exact, it, that's exactly what yeah. it is. It's keeping the momentum. Yeah, exactly. It's keeping the pace. Yeah, and it works. it works really well the way he does it. He's definitely developed... A streamlined way of doing it tastefully, um, and sure. and I think that's a that's an acquired skill to be able to do that tastefully and being able to know well, the limits of where where you can push right. For sure, here's what I think it comes down to, and this is something that I think every GM knows in their heart, but I think is either too afraid to say or is like just in denial. And this is this little bit of truth. Every time you give player characters agency. Momentum stops because they have to think. Yeah. And then they have to confer. And then they have to come to five different decisions. And then they make a decision. Mm-hmm. And it's a decision you wanted them to make anyways, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> so it's like, you can skip that whole process. Right? Like there's there's so much where it's like, I want them to feel like they came to that decision themselves. It's like, well, they literally wouldn't know if like if you just said that they made that decision, they wouldn't know that they had an option to have several wrong decisions <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure yeah it's like i feel like every gm in their heart of heart knows that every time you let players make a, a choice just everything stops <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely but yeah uh just a master class in pacing and storytelling and 
acting actually yeah yeah phenomenal in, performances. Just in general just acting phenomenal performances holy smokes yeah well so there's the tree blight so let's talk about the finale for a bit <laughs> because yeah, yeah there's a lot of a lot of breakdown here but first off can we just talk about the fact that they spend the first hour and a half of the final session yeah. resolving on one resolving one second of in-game time like you thought combat yeah. was slow but like the best part about it though the best part about it is that it's all engaging like and i and yeah. if i if i would have told you like if, if i would have told somebody that like in a vacuum like that sounds like that would be boring as heck right it's just oh like God, you're, yeah. you what do you mean you're just sitting there watching them roll you know for like <laughs> roll for, for, yeah, for roll for damage for the first for one second of an yeah well just like they spend like for an entire party it saves and damage and yeah it was like maybe like an hour of rolling of yeah. just rolling and then, and then just, just, just rolling. rolling and saying yes and no. yeah and saying yeah yes or no and are you dead and uh, yeah and you still up then maybe deuces i have two hit points left you still up tres i have three hit points left <laughs> and then maybe like okay now we're going then to maybe like a half hour of role play you know and like yeah. uh all to resolve one second of in-game time and like that sounds like on paper like you almost say that it'd be boring, but it's like, no, it's like the most engaging thing ever because you're on the edge of your yeah. seat the whole time watching. First off, watching everybody's hit points tick down, <laughs> except for Sarah, except for Sarah, who was not there, <laughs> <laughs> not there. He, he was too busy being a dad. I love how well, can I let's also just talk about how great a character decision that was of him just noping out of there oh. where he was just like, OK, yeah. I understand what happened now. I got to the bottom of this. Y'all selfish. I'm going to go take care of my family. Like that was yeah. <laughs> so in character and so great and just made everything yeah. so much more interesting that he wasn't there for the big PVP and for the big catastrophe. Yeah. It's like, I thought that was a great, great party split. <laughs> Fantastic. You know how I would describe that scene? Hmm. Imagine an entire feature film that is that one scene from uh, Jet Li's The One where he's kicking a bunch of squat, like SWAT guys in <laughs> like stop time. Imagine a whole movie like that. <laughs> That's how I would pitch that scene. Yeah, totally. It's just like, it's like, yeah, it's only one second of in-game time, but man, is it really exciting to watch and there's a bunch of stuff happening and it's exciting and people die and it's crazy. Yeah, like it's insane. Like the fact that you have to do a head count by the end of that one second of being like, okay, yeah. who's still alive? You know, it's just it's like, like, and you're just going around the party. It's just like dead, unconscious, unconscious, barely alive, yeah. uh, skin ripped off their face. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, 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 absolutely insane. But that, yeah, that twist, that turn with, uh, it wasn't even really a twist. It was just a turn with Asmodeus is just like, yeah. oh man, bone chilling. Well, that was a, that he pulled off a heel turn for a character that was already a heel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like. That's some next level stuff. And okay, this is something I wanted to especially talk about with you because it was that scene with yeah. the the reveal with Asmodeus when he finally gets brought through the divine gate and he's there on the material plane, sort of in between and ish. And he's and he's beautiful. And he's there with Xerxes. He has that one on one with Xerxes. Yep. Time stop has been cast. <laughs> and yep. the first time the, stop. The first time stop. Yeah, yeah, terrifying. yeah. Ninth level spell. Just like, oh, yeah, you're just going to throw that out there. I, I just want to talk with you because that was one of the things that watching that scene really made me just go, ooh, this is the kind of stuff that you and I have talked about, but have like never had the ability or the guts to be able to do of just like For the sure. sheer level of commitment to yeah. DMing a scene with a deity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. But 
my favorite, absolute favorite moment in that was, I think after he had cl- he had cast ceremony, I think was yeah. Uh, he had, there, I think there's two different spells he tried to use. There was ceremony. I think there was like atonement or something like that. Or atonement was part yeah. Of atonement is a is a yeah one of the options in the ceremony spell. That yeah, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, because uh, because otherwise you could have just gotten married. At, at is, that would have been, been a different scene. <laughs> different scene entirely. He cast atonement and just like maybe. Maybe it's because I didn't do anything wrong. And then he just like starts beating the crap out of him. He's like, he tries to cast another spell. And before he can like even finish saying what it is, he's just like, ninth level dispel. And continues <laughs> just like killing him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like that was one of those things. And I love, I love how he narrates it mechanically, right? Yeah. Like, like you could just say like, ah, oh, your spells are ineffective here. But it's like, no, it's just like yeah. he's using uh, gameplay terminology to express the power level of the being you're looking at. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just like, Ninth level to spell magic, and then he's gonna rip you apart with his hands. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> like it's it's such a commitment to what that scene should be. And I just I was loving every moment of it. But like I was also just, oh my goodness, I was I I was in shambles. I was like, oh no. <laughs> he's like I was living for yeah. it though. I was on Team Asmodeus that whole yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, you're just watching this happen and you're just like, after all the trauma you just went through of all the character deaths of resolving the explosion yep. of the tree and then you realize this whole scene starts playing out and you realize there is nothing he can do here <laughs> nothing like it was absolutely helpless asmodeus is here yeah <laughs> that's that's like the the uh the worst here's johnny you can mm. get is just tree cracks open and asmodeus comes through that's the thing that i love about character and no no, no not character about player buy-in mm. right Player buy-in, he knew going into that. That's the first thing that happened in the session. He's basically, I, I, I know for a fact, Brennan said, prepare yourself. <laughs> the first two hours are just going to be death, mm. right? Like, you're all going to die. Like, you know, as players, you done messed up. This is now the calamity. We're going to get to that, mm-hmm. right? So, you, when you know, know he had some, That's like, the buy-in to the whole miniseries, too. That's what really yeah, helps yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like, people who, yeah, they were, you weren't even going to be there if they weren't on board mm-hmm. for that. But not, but- this specific scene where it's like, this is the moment, this is the second of calamity. Yeah. The first second of calamity is about to happen in this next episode. Cause it's the first thing that happens mm-hmm. that the last episode ends with the sundering of the tree. And the first episode begins with it exploding. <laughs> and so like, you know, he's like, we're going like, like this is going to be like physically, arcanically, just like brutal on your characters. And it's like, this is going to be rough. And, and your characters will not come out of this in the same shape they went in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And he, so like, you know, he must have gotten permission to rip Xerxes' head off several times <laughs> because I, I cannot imagine the amount of permissions and the kind of experience that we have now with the players that we have now to be able to do that to another player because it would just like, it, it would, that is hard to do to somebody else's character. Yeah. Of just say like, you have no power here and here's how bad I want to make you feel. Here's how bad this character wants to make you feel about the decisions you made in your entire life leading up to this moment. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's and it's just again, it's like that's the kind of stuff that's like, oh, we love that. <laughs> it's like being able to, yeah, but being it's, able, it's so hard. To it's do. so hard to do because it requires so much work up front and requires so much preparation on everybody's part. Um, yeah. But like the fact that he could just go for it like that, and he did all, he did it right. He did all the work to be able to get everybody yeah. on board for a moment like that. And yep. you know, the, the the like everything was there. The buy in, the and then the 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 setup and the description and the whole narrative the whole setting 
And yeah, just being able to, in that moment, commit to the sheer fact that you are in the presence of a deity and there is, you are completely powerless here. Like your, your magic means nothing. Your hit points mean nothing. Like if he chooses to attack you, you die. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's not even, it's not even a question. It's like you get stat blocks for deity avatars. This is the deity. This is like, this is not like some cheap mundane recreation of it like this is the one he has stepped into your plane because of you (laughs) and he now wants to end your day yeah there is no save for that yeah exactly yeah it's just yeah no no save no 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 um save or die no nothing you just die it's just die yeah Yeah. (laughs) there's no save or die it's just die just die all the time yeah yeah. it's like three times in a row with resurrect cast between each each oh yeah it's like (laughs) yeah that's what i was like i always wanted to say like before you even watch it it was just counting up the number of character deaths in that first second of the calamity and it's just like it's so many if you count the the number of resurrections too it's like it's like okay let's see there are there are six players and seven deaths (laughs) yeah wait a minute (laughs) it's like it's oh yeah not all the and, and also some of the characters actually survive some of them go unconscious and one of them wasn't even there wait so that how did you how did seven oh, yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely l- ludicrous and it's just like yep he says you're gonna die you die he says you're yep. gonna come back to life well look at that you're back to life and there are just so yep. many just from the commitment of just how, how catastrophic that story is and all of that the there are so many great lines throughout this whole series of just things that's just like i've never heard that at a table before like like yeah uh, in, For, oh, so inciting the world i was like never seen that happen yeah. before you, uh, i think yeah. at one point uh loquacious had to roll deception against himself yeah <laughs> it's like i guess himself like okay never seen that happen before up there on the list there's this oh, player that's... line that louise says uh, after he's been crushed for like the, the fifth time by Asmodeus. <laughs> There's this great line he has where I'm just like, never heard that one at a table before, but it's like, these are the stakes we're at, is um, he asks, does my body have agency or does my soul? Yeah, 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 for sure. And I was just like, well, that's a new one, but it's like, you know what, that's where we're at. And he was just like, no, it's your spirit. And he's just like, okay, and he just starts floating around as a spirit. I'm like, this is where we are, people. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. There's, oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely insane commitment to what this story is. Brennan knows how to turn into D&D mechanics, common narrative stuff, right? Because, like, you're talking about, like, the, like, world deception against Mm -hmm. yourself. What he's saying is just, like, your character is lying to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And your character is in denial. Basically, that's what the thing is, right? It's like, your character is in denial. Are you aware of how in denial you are yeah roll deception against yourself <laughs> and then it, it, it's just like because and then the result of that is just like okay i am unaware of how in denial i am i'm going to uh, i'm going to continue as as i was right i'm going to proceed as planned and then he goes on and does the thing that he did his one secret that he had which was super crazy Everybody had secrets, mm-hmm. right? And then Loquacious is coming in and just like, I don't have any secrets. You guys are all weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brennan just looks at him and goes, I know for a fact that you have secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and then like we, f- we find out at the very end that like he knew what happened with the first first night. And he buried that a long time ago to keep his family safe. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And he fired someone. Some it's poor like, reporter who got fired. fired. <laughs> some poor reporter. Some poor reporter who was like, I'm on to something. He's like, yes, you are. And you never should have looked. <laughs> <laughs> the one, yeah. 
one so one one spunky indie reporter yeah yeah <laughs> just in, up and coming investigative journalists yeah just like oh you turned over the wrong the wrong rock <laughs> yeah it's like i'm sorry you don't you don't realize but this is a conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's yeah his one secret yeah that was oh that was so yeah. good his one secret and then so well, I, I guess by the end of it he had two because then he has that uh, what he did for basically the whole party, right? Like he had that last crystal, that last it was, it was some kind of like recording uh, crystal, right? That he would use to like make basically like, I think like memos as like a reporter mm-hmm. or something like that. He has that like he like absolves the party of just like, oh, yeah, I don't know, guilt or <laughs> just, just like somewhere out in the world is that crystal could have survived and it's just like we know the names of the people who are directly involved in the calamity their exact roles and what happened and how they tried to stop it but it's like man it's out there all because of a all because of a failed deception against himself mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well, i mean there's a number of things like that there people are t- have been talking about too about and they talked about in the the round table that the orb that she sent to sarah's daughter right that contains yeah. all of the knowledge of of all the knowledge of, of pre yeah. of pre calamity yeah uh, all pre calamity Alexandria ex- uh, because that was because they went everywhere yeah yeah it was well just all of their collected knowledge that that city had accumulated yep. and all of their travels and all of their research and it's just like that's just out there somewhere <laughs> you know who knows what yep. happened to that there are actually some pretty good fan theories about that um I uh, yeah the, the one where um uh that's the origin of the cobalt yeah the cobalt soul. soul yeah and apparently yeah like there's a lot of evidence in favor of it because apparently like the cobalt soul's logo looks a little bit like that orb um uh, or at least it, it's a it's a circle which is just a two-dimensional orb <laughs> right so it's like that is, there's like a lot of little that, details so it's just like oh man that could really work as like a really smooth retcon yeah completely retroactively smooth slip it in and nobody would yeah. notice it would totally, and given the fact that they're basically like modern uh, detectives that root out corruption, which is yep. what Sarah was trying to do, yep. and it's just like, okay, maybe pass that on to his kids. Also, I love the idea of right. his son becoming super jacked, like Brennan suggested. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, it's just huge for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> for no reason at all. This is buff Aracocra. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see it. Oh. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the absolute commitment. And it's like, I suppose that is, yeah, the crucial moment of that first second of the calamity that they got to play out. It's like, that's what we're here for. And it got its proper emphasis. And then I was like, by the time it got to the end of that, I was like, where do we go from here? Like, why is there still four hours of this session left? (laughs) And the, it's a, and the rest of it is just as brilliant because they wrap up and resolve the story so well and get it epic final battles it's yep. it's uh it's it's an incredible and like i love how there's just a certain point in that final session when they're going i uh, first off just oh the players were so on point everybody was so active and imperative too that's the thing that can be difficult to get yep. sometimes at the table is getting players to feel the imperative because sometimes players might understand narratively like the stakes but they they they're not yeah. into it enough to for to act that way right to like rush when they're making their decisions yeah. or it, well, to, it, it, exactly because like yeah do anything like that and it's just like when 
like the sheer look of panic on everybody's faces throughout a lot of yeah. this and like the the realizing the the weight of every decision that they make and when yeah. Luis as Xerxes is the last person standing and has to go around and res find a way to resurrect everybody it's just like yeah oh just well played baller moves all around and he pulled it pulled it off yeah. um and then there's that that moment also with the uh, that one spell slot that was left. Yes, that loquacious received from oh. perfect setup and payoff. Great little storytelling yep. moments like that. Oh yes, it was so good. Here's why I think players can't really feel like like the narrative imperative too often, right? And it's not a problem on the players. And like keep keep in mind, listener, if you've gotten this far, <laughs> this is not a fault on you or a player or you players at your group or anybody else that you play with or see anything like that it's this is not a problem because i think the difference is in that moment the characters or the players of calamity were thinking like actors not like players yeah. they weren't cons they weren't considering the mechanics that they needed to get things done they knew what they had to get done and were considering the scene as an actor and as an actor you act and not act as in like you pretend but like you make actions right mm -hmm. like you do things so they were all making proactive decisions because they knew as actors this is the scene this is what needs to happen and here's how we move the story forward a player gets into that position and they can't if they if they aren't trained to be an actor if they aren't trained to move scenes forward like that their immediate first response is pause let me think okay <laughs> How can I beat this scene? Yeah. Right. Resident Evil. Countdown starts happening for the last, you know, get out, get to the train mm -hmm. and leave. Right. First thing that happens, uh, the very first time you play that, it's not anything wrong with the person who's playing the game. If they went hit pause on it and go, okay, now where do I need to go first? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but that's like at the table, it almost feels that way because we're in that middle ground between improv acting and actual game mechanics yeah. and so they're they're interacting with more game mechanics because they're thinking like players not like actors but in this kind of scenario where they're in front of cameras and they're you know streamed to a whole thing like they, they start to obviously and they are all trained actors so they all they saw they all start thinking like actors so they are start thinking in terms of what my what my character do right now as opposed to what's the most efficient way to beat the scene yeah yeah but and there's nothing wrong with that if you don't do that yeah either. Keep, yeah, like there, there is no wrong way to play D and D. This is a show. This is entertainment. This is not uh, D and D at your home table. This is completely different. It's an entire another game, basically. You have to keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, that as well, for sure. But yeah, utterly, utterly brilliant <laughs> all around. <laughs> completely brilliant. Yeah, like that was. Oh man, that was that was so intense. But this, uh, that was also. I think one of the one of the concrete takeaways that I really learned from uh, Calamity, and especially in that last session, is not all uh, combat has to be a combat encounter. And there's mm. there's yeah. because like, well, and again, with everybody being trained actors um, and with Brendan at the helm as well, with who you know taught improv for so many years and has just such an academic understanding of it. Or and not not just academic, but intuitive understanding, where it's just like it's 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 built into his his instincts. Like he had just has such a a fine understanding of, and this is what I would actually call, uh, say is one of the strengths 
um, really what you're just describing of, you know, seeing these, these actual plays with trained actors is, uh, is scene sense, right? Of being able to know that theatrical yeah, yeah. sense of what is the scene when, and when is the scene, right? Like when has it started right, and when is it right. over? Um, and things like that. And what is the, what is the material beat that we are trying to hit here? And th- what I loved in that final session was that there was so much cinematic license, right? Because they knew, and like Brendan especially knew with the way he kept it moving along, what, uh, what the scenes were, what the beats were that they needed to focus on because there was so much happening that it would have been even longer than six hours had they stopped and played everything out, right? But there was so yeah. much that you were yeah. able to, they were able to take cinematic license with and just play it out completely by description without having to roll any dice. Heck, they even did that a few sessions back with, um, they did, uh, you know, when they went to defend one of the batteries and it was just like, uh, oh yeah, this, this, this scene. Mark off his post line. Yeah, this scene isn't, isn't material to the story we're telling. Um, So we'll say, and you know, it's like, because it essentially would just be you mowing down hordes, right? Like it was just like these people, you're, yeah, yeah, you're, you're above the, the minions that were sent to attack this particular location. If you want to defend it, you can just mark off a spell slot and that'll be roundabouts to the resources you had to use. Um, like, yeah, just, just pick a spell slot and then you figure out how you kill them. Also, I love that (laughs) comment from Sam. It's just like, I killed, I killed them with fairy fire guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because like I love that stuff. There's a shortcut that you've used a few times that is to like a, a sort of like lesser extent um, that I've wanted to steal for a while, but I've never had a chance to because I haven't run a game since. Um, but using your character's um, class resources or uh, race resources, if you have any, but like, like your character's resources, the things that you like, you know, mark off in combat, or whatever, spell slots uh key points rage mm-hmm. right and just say like okay you want to do something that is narratively very cool but if we were to mechanically play it out would take forever yeah and right? it's not that important <laughs> or not, not forever but like yeah but it's like, it's like 15 minutes of game yeah. time right because like then you gotta start rolling and start calculating it's like okay mark off a resource and then you can do that use a key point you can do that use a rage you can do that mark off a spell slot you can do that and like I love that. I think you use that a couple times oh, in a uh, resident roleplay. Yeah, I think you use that a couple times in resident roleplay where I think you just you see, I think you just said like um uh like if you use like an action surge you can, you know, do yeah. something really quickly or whatever. But uh it's like that's the kind of thing that I love. I yeah, love I love that, that as like, well. Like it's it's a nice shortcut. It's a very very quick shortcut to mechanics. It's like you can interact with the mechanics, mark off a actual thing that you're going to need later and we'll have said that the scene that you wanted to happen happened Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it just plays out and yeah it still comes at a cost so that you're not you know uh so that it does play out in your resource management but it's it's yeah yeah, but it's like we don't need to play that scene out you know or we we could just say that it happens and there was a lot of that in that finale session i think i i really that i really loved where they just you know um they just, yeah, uh, shortcutted past a lot of stuff. Like there were whole battles that were taking place with player characters that had no combat mm-hmm. encounters associated mm-hmm. with them. And I love that. Like there was like Nidus was out there, you know, just like doing swashbuckling, you know, with it, with his <laughs> I love, mechs. I love that. And every once in a while they just cut back to him. He's just like, ha, ah, and just like killing. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fine, brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just back there. He's just back there taking on an army and like, yeah. don't even need to play it out. Like I, I love that it's like nope. because the 
that's all the material it is to the story, right? To the story that they're yeah, telling. It's like all you need to know is that he's out there fighting, right? Yeah, you're like you're you're, you're such a high level pirate with a dragon. Yeah. You you're fine. <laughs> we'll come back to you later. <laughs> also, he told that dragon to shut up. That cracked me up. It's <laughs> <laughs> like not this time. It's like it's like I, I summon the dragon. It's like okay. So what you see is shut up. We don't have time. I'm leaving. <laughs> I didn't get to say my thing. <laughs> I didn't get the same thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so, oh, such a baller move. Um, so many great role-playing decisions all throughout this, <sighs> that whole show. Oh, my goodness. But yeah. Can you imagine summoning this thing that's like, this whose soul is stuck inside you, and just like, every time they come out, she's like, I am bound to you by service, or whatever. It's just like, just shut up, we're moving. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, I love, I love those cinematic shortcuts. And that was definitely a concrete lesson I took away was, it was just like, that felt like a license for me to be able to do that. Yeah. Because that's something that I was like, that like, I was like, I almost kind of have wanted to do for a while, but I'm like, oh my, is that, is that, is that kosher? (laughs) You know, but it's just like seeing it done and seeing it done so well and so smoothly, like nobody bad an eye is like, yeah, like that because it made sense, you know? And I'm like, okay. It, that does make sense, you know, like we are allowed to do that. Like not every scene needs to be entirely played out mechanically, not mm-hmm. including not every action scene, not every combat scene, mm-hmm. not everything needs mechanics I, to I it think- you ju- because you just need to get to the scenes that are important and material to your story. You don't need to play out every little, every, every little or even every big thing, just the important things. Yeah. Just the important things, the things that are important to the story. Because even if they're big, that doesn't mean they're important. Yeah. It just has to yeah, happen. Those battles were big. Yeah. Yeah. But they weren't mm-hmm. important. Yeah, exactly. It's like all we need to know is that there is somebody defending. We don't need to know how. Yeah. Well, and it's just like the way the, you, you, how do you handle it? It's like you handle it all with flavor, all with role playing, right? Like he's out there, yeah. you know, he's the, swinging his sword. Like you see all that and he's like, <laughs> you know, you hear his attitude throughout the whole thing. It's like you get the picture, right? It fills that in in your mind's yeah. eye automatically. You don't need to see, you know, every single roll and every single uh, miss and hit. You just need to you just need to see he's out there swinging his sword, riding a dragon. <laughs> yep. Especially when it comes to, I forget what it is in cinema where it's like once it's already been established, you can assume that that's just mm-hmm. the case. Con- uh, yeah, the, the cinematic yeah, language continuity, continuity, right? Yeah, like where we know it, we had that previous scene where they're fighting all the cultists, mm-hmm. right? And um, that minor, no, it was a major uh, demon that gets summoned, or not? But he's just he's there. Oh, yeah, he's a, uh, he walks through the door demon. sideways. He walks through the door sideways. <laughs> yeah, <he's- laughs> and and they had that whole fight, and we see everybody doing their combat mm. thing with this group of cultists, right? So it's just like, they got wrecked. Yeah. yeah. And now they're going to do that <laughs> Exactly, again. yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Oh, that, that was <laughs> so a great comp. Like, you, you establish, oh, that was so good. They establish early, this is what they can do. This is the level they're at. We've seen them do this exact same thing already. So when that, when that happens again, he's going to go out into the streets. He's going to summon his dragon. There's going to be some demons, whatever. We've already seen that. He wrecks. Yeah, exactly. We know that already. And now he's got an army of mechs too. So it's like extra wreck. Yeah. And now he's got an army of mechs. Yeah. Yeah. And they've all got they've all got what, what do you say like sandwich boards from various <laughs> local shops just smacking them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That well, can we talk about the pacing of this really quick and the structure? Because that combat yeah. you're referring to in the streets, right? Did you notice? Right. That was the first major combat encounter of the campaign, and it was like two episodes in. I did. Or like th- three I did, episodes. That was three the, episodes that in. That was. Um, 
that was the first time we, we actually got to see them use their class exactly. in the way that they are meant to be yeah. used. Because like there was so much stuff that was happening. Like all the characters, they knew each other, mm-hmm. right? Because obviously they had done a lot of pre-prep and they knew each other's personalities. But there was so much stuff that was happening. That was the first time the players had seen these characters do this stuff. Yeah. Because it was like they were finally getting into proper combat. And it was like, what? You, 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 you can do that. Yeah, which is where, yeah, that's where <laughs> like, D&D yeah, happens. Man, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm like a you know an eleventh level sorcerer. Of course, I can do this. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the because obviously they had one encounter before, but you could barely. It was not a yeah. major combat encounter at all. Yeah. Like it was literally just some ev- no. evoker in the corner, like that just gets blasted immediately. <laughs> um, yeah, that was nothing. So it was like that was in session two. That major combat encounter in the streets was in session three. Three sessions in to yep. get to the first major combat encounter of a story uh, mini uh, series this action packed. It's just like in D in D and D, and I was just like I was so blown away by that. I was like because D and D is so combat oriented, and to see so much time dedicated to just pure role play in those first couple of episodes, and for it to be just as immersive and still feel just as D and D. That's the thing is it still felt. D&D, because they were still using spells in some occasions, right? In social yep. occasions. They're still using mechanics, like investigation stuff for Serret and mm-hmm. the stuff the Inquisitor was built to do. They were still using all these things. And so it still felt very D&D. Like it was the, all that role play. And it wasn't until you yep. get to that major had- battle in the streets that you realize, oh, snap, this was like, this is our first time seeing them go go to town. Yeah. And they still had, they had minor combat encounters, like you were mm-hmm. saying. Uh, like there was yeah. a couple of cultists and I think there was like... um yeah just like some basic mm-hmm. stuff right but when the map gets brought mm-hmm. out that's when it's like okay now we're entering Dungeons and dragons tactical yeah. gameplay we're now counting squares we're now measuring spell effects and D D is happening this is your character's class to the full extent and it's epic <laughs> and yeah. it's and it's an episode three. yeah like oh man like the Everybody was just epic when you see everybody go full bore. I mean, there's a paladin riding a freaking griffin made of stars. Made of starlight. (laughs) And just chopping people in half with the Holy Avenger. It's like, yeah, get out of town. Everybody's 14th level. What the heck? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, um, he had that uh, as a paladin. He has, I think he cast... was it a paladin? Was it was it a class feat or was it like a spell? Which one? That's the inspiring leader feat. Oh, or, or, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, inspiring, inspiring leader feat. Yeah, that's a that's a class. That's a that's a feat. Uh, was that a subclass specific thing? Or no, was that a no? That's just a feat. Thing? Anybody could get that as a feat. That's just a feat. Oh, I thought that was a paladin. No. Thing. Um, when he uh, like he's like he 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 cast it on mm-hmm. the party, right? And so like they never rested the entire <laughs> yeah. time. But like I love how Brennan allows him to use that as a feat on npcs just for free like that's the kind of thing that i love i i've thought about that kind of stuff where it's like yeah your characters can do this stuff like we know that they can do it it's just that whenever they do it sometimes they get tired and they can't do it as often or they or they won't they choose not to do it as often because if they do in a combat situation they'll leave themselves vulnerable and then they'll die and they know that so they can't cast more spells than they have slots Mm. right that's like implied so it's like he uh he tries to use that inspiring leader feat again once the big battle breaks out all the demons are loose and he's like okay yeah technically you've already used that feat once today so the players won't get any benefits of it but all of the npcs will and it's like yes (laughs) permission yeah yeah and i i yeah i love that and well let's talk more about the structure of this too because to that end 
this was one thing that I almost wanted to tell you about the the structure of it going into it, but I refrained from doing so. I love that structure of the fact that this takes place over a very finite period of time. Um, It is, well, it's one night. It's one it's night. Like, it, it, it's 24 hours, I think, because it's like it starts off. in the Yeah, day. it starts off. Well, it starts off when he wakes up into, because he has that vision. We start on. A, yeah, yeah right, he has right, a, right. start with a vision and then he wakes up. It's, and then the, it goes it's morning. Into, and then it goes into that party at mm-hmm. night and then it goes into the next day or the next morning and day. Because I think that happens. I think the calamity happens like in yeah, the morning early because it's right before. Right, sunrise. Well, yeah, because right? he has until sunrise before the curse yeah. takes hold. It's literally 24 hours. He wakes up. He wakes up and then Donna the next day is when it has to end. It's literally a 20. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's 24 hours, a day in the life, so to speak, except not really. This was a very extraordinary day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a day. Yeah. Day in the death. Yeah. Well, because, and I I love it because you realize you again, going in with a title calamity, you kind of know what the story is going to be about, but it's a stat. You realize very early on. When, when, like, very early on, when I started to realize what the structure was, I was like, oh, snap. Where we are, like, the calamity hasn't happened yet, right? The first episode is Day in the Life. Um, and then you realize it's like, we're going to see the calamity happen in this, right? It's not that the calamity is happening, has happened. We're going to see it happen. We are going to see. Yeah, in real time. In real time, we're going to see it happen. We're going to see what it was like before and what it was like after within a 24 hour period it's like yep. or while it's happening it's like you you are they start you out on the eve of the calamity and that's such a potent place to set a story is it's just like this was the last day here's what happened mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah so good so good and um and i love that element of the fact that well, that's, uh, people were kind of pointing out, like, there was a lot of different ways this went. There were a lot of different threads. There were a lot of different things that the characters were involved with that all could have caused or led to the calamity. And right, it was, if you, it's interesting, people have pointed out, like, if you pay attention to, like, the web of different subplots that are going on, it is a bit of a Kobayashi Maru, insofar as... No yeah. matter what they did, the calamity would have still happened, right? It doesn't break canon. Yeah, Brendan talks yeah. about that. Like he he has he said he has like so he many had, contingencies. Yeah, he had contingencies upon contingencies. Like the yeah, there was nothing they could have done to avoid the calamity. That's the buy-in going in, and the old. Yeah. So then that cha- that very much shapes the narrative because the narrative isn't how do you prevent calamity because the calamity is a certainty. The narrative becomes. Right. A, how did you cause calamity? <laughs> and B, how many people can you save once it started? And those are yeah. very different narrative questions to how then how can you prevent calamity? Very different narrative yeah. questions that lead to very different decisions and very different story arcs. And it was that was really brilliant, I thought. And then we get that that beautiful final moment where the two wizards are stuck in that bubble, just like casting this spell to try to save as many people as they possibly can and literally like yeet a couple of prime <laughs> or like primordials not even deities like primordials before the deities yeet them into like the, another dimension yeah. and just like it's like what what's what is even happening right now there's there's these two mortals yeah. <laughs> about to like seriously mess with like the order of things oh yeah oh yeah and oh yeah and still got still got Sarah out to see his family by the end of it. 
But and that was yep. that was so narratively fitting that he gets to be the survivor. Yep. And it's just like because he had the most to lose, and he was also mm-hmm. just characteristically the the least the least selfish. Really, like he was mm-hmm. he was acting. His motivations were entirely selfless. Um, yeah. Well, because he was the only character whose job wasn't entirely based around um, what do you call it? Like like. The search for power, yeah. right? His job was keeping things in line. That was his entire job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, essentially. And so it serves to fit the story that he's the only one who does not fall prey to, every, to all the, the consequences that happen from that overreach. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, and that final combat encounter is so intense too. And can we... Uh, Brennan's ability to set the stakes is, I think, a big part of what makes, what makes his style work as a DM. Because on that final attack that finally does Vespin Chloris in, it's yep. just like the whole tactic of like writing down his hit points on a piece of paper, <laughs> being like, this is how many hit points he has left. And then they like roll to see how much damage he does. And it's like, bam, throw it on the table. Because yeah, it was because that was the last that was attack. The last attack. Like, if 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 he didn't kill him in that attack, he would have killed no, no, I think it was then the spell would have no, failed. No, he, he would have killed, he would have killed, killed Laren because he was, no, that's he what was, it was, because it was his yeah, turn. Yeah, because he, well, he was, it wasn't, no, it was already his turn. The attack was on a reaction. So he, yeah. Was it? Is that yeah, what it was? he was casting, uh, he was casting. That's right, because he got the power word kill. Because he got, and he was getting mage slayered off of the casting yeah, of power word kill. And he kill. got double mage slayer. Yeah. Because it was the power word kill and, and a and, shield. Uh, it, it was power word killed. He mage slayered that one. And then on the on the power word kill, uh, Pesha tried to dispel it, and then he dispelled her dispel, oh. and then he and he mage layered again on the on the dispel. yeah. It was oh yeah, it was just this cascade of mechanics that were incredibly narratively tense, and oh. yeah, because like power word kill was in the middle. Yeah, of power word kill is in the middle of hat. This is real time. It's just like you've got six seconds to put this guy in the ground, or <laughs> everything. Not even over. reactions happen faster. Exactly. Than that. Yeah. <laughs> Actions are six seconds. Reactions are faster. Yeah, it's like you've got you've got seconds, seconds to put this guy in the ground. But remember, this is the guy. This is the guy, the hawk, the birdie, who can see grains of sand in the night sky. Yeah, that's who we're that's who we're messing with right here. Oh my goodness, it's such such a great moment. I was like, I aspire to have a combat and uh, moment like a, a combat turn, a combat reaction that intense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah. Although this is like, and uh, and it's great. You see so much of the meta of D anD D in that too. When you just realize at high levels, just like there are a lot of commonalities. It's just, and everybody's you know obviously playing very optimized builds. It's like you've got, yeah, it's yeah. just counter spells upon counter spells, shields going up. I also realized that that whole miniseries made me realize how much silvery barbs has changed the meta. <laughs> Because that was everywhere. <laughs> what even is That's that? That's a newer spell that just came out from like some setting book, and it's complete. I've never heard of that. It's spell very new. Before. Yeah, it it has clearly completely changed the meta. Because I'm like that spell is good, and it's first level. So, <laughs> yeah, I love how there's a um, there's a couple things that just happen where like people, uh, you know, like at the, at the table there was that shorthand where I'm just like, who's got silver bars? <laughs> yeah. And can someone uh, counter spell that Xerxes had? <laughs> Yeah, like anybody have counterfell? There's there's this one that Xerxes had. I think it was like 
It was, it, was something, it was something like crazy where it's just like, oh, am I within 10 feet of Xerxes? <laughs> oh, yeah. Am I within 10 feet of Xerxes? Yeah. Well, it's because Paladin Auras. That's a, it's a Paladin, Paladin man. Auras. It's a Paladin legitimate Auras. question. <laughs> this is just like advantage on saves. Oh, it's all yeah. good. Well, it's a, it's a bonus. It's a flat bonus, actually. Oh, okay. I thought it was, uh, yeah, right. But you have an yeah. advantage. But <laughs> yeah. still, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, it's, um, I think it's like equal to the charisma. Is that what um, it is? Something like that. Yeah. Something it's, like that. But either good. way, <laughs> it's good stuff. Paladins. You want one as a friend. You really do. That really made me want to play a paladin, man. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. So I guess any last closing thoughts on Calamity? <laughs> go watch yeah, it. Just go watch it. <laughs> That's all I it's, have to say. Can, I'm probably going to go watch it again. Honestly, yeah. I kind of... This is the first time I've ever really wanted to. It's so... It is so good. Well, also, just like the early politics is so intricately weaved. I kind of have to go back and watch it or listen to it again just for like to catch names and times and yeah. dates and everything that happened. Because like I get the story, but a lot of the plot just kind of gets lost mm-hmm. because it's so, it's dense. so dense. Yeah. Well, I-, I will say was not expecting the Per Von Sul, uh cameo. <laughs> <laughs> It's number one. Come it's number one. Yeah. There are so many great interactions out <laughs> Like, oh my goodness. Everybody, or all the critical role uh, regulars at the table, plus me, yeah. were just like losing their minds when he stepped out. It's just like, oh snap, I didn't even think about that. We can meet these long gone NPCs. People in their yeah. prime. Back when he was like a humble, like seventh level ranger or something. <laughs> right. Because he became a. Um that well, was he one was, of the uh, Raven Queen. Yeah, shepherds, right? yeah. He they they yeah. they pried yeah, Vax's armor off of his body in the first campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. Because I remember you told mm. me about that, and obviously you told me the Purbon. Oh yeah, hilarious name. Lives in mm-hmm. infamy. I was so confused because I didn't know the history of that character. I thought that was just like a a, a character for the like you know for those campaigns in like the modern settings. So when he popped up again, I was like, is this a different Purbon? Why would he use the same name? <laughs> Is okay. I think I get it. I think this is the same Pervon in before he becomes a champion. Okay, yeah, got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, evidently still a champion, but yeah, way before, well, way yeah, before yeah, he before was he like becomes ascended champion, epic and, level. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was super cool to see little cameos and references like that sprinkled in. But yeah, I love how he talks about bringing in this NPC for just literally he literally introduced that character for the reference and just to say like yeah these guys still here, and then as he's leaving the, the party goes wait and he's like stop stop you could actually <laughs> this is a bit of canon that you shouldn't be yeah you, you might actually break canon with this one also i've yeah. got to love the sheer confusion of when they're talking about him vaguely on the guest list and it's just like he's got yeah. a wolf it's like like just a wolf like does it can it can, like can, wolf, yeah, can, can it talk? talk it's like what's <laughs> it's a wolf <laughs> it's just like they're just it's just so perplexed by the idea of just like a regular it sets the stage a so mundane well. animal <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of the that scene in Avatar when it's just like, and he's got a bear. You mean like a like a owl bear? No, like yeah. A, no, it must be like a duck bear. It's like no, no, no. it's just a bear. <laughs> it's just a bear. It's like what the heck is that thing? What is that? I don't understand. Yeah, this is the this is the world of high fantasy people. Yeah, they don't you realize they a lot to set the setting that I really appreciated. Like when they meet that high wizard oh, at the so the Ring of Gold, right? Who just like freaking mm-hmm. basically. uh 
zaps yeah, memory z- back z- into z- his Yeah, head. zaps himself back into into coherence because it was just like he's so freaking yeah. old. He's just so yeah. ancient. What, was that the guy that he was that the guy that Brendan said kind of like slyly during one of the roundtables who was just like, and maybe he's a lich and is not telling anybody? I think that was he was just t- talking about any hypothetical old uh, okay, I was counselor. Say, that would have been that hilarious been. if that was if he was like secretly a lich and he was just like m- drawing memories from his phylactery <laughs> just like at random just like oh yes like a thousand and fifty years ago oh yes okay of course of course <laughs> oh yeah yeah that was like st- little stuff like that little details like that just in the role play that just reminds you of what the setting is and how it's different from the usual setting and how basically borderline like utopian slash dystopian it was and i'm like oh yeah this yeah. is the age of arcanum first setting does such a great first uh, session does such a great job of setting the the world and it's just like yeah this is yeah. this is different this is this is peak peak magic D. and it's like okay now i get what we're getting into and all of the characters are perfectly placed so that when you do go through that round table at the beginning getting everybody's experience you go through the whole city from top to bottom literally from the peak to the that dungeon. is true that is true top to bottom literally and everywhere in between yeah, from top to bottom, and it's beautiful because it's like you get to see even the dark, underground, musty, like back markets are lined with mm-hmm. gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like there is no, there is nothing on this city that isn't touched by beauty and arcane of unnatural proportions. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, I. Uh, yeah, we could we could rant and rave about this for hours more, but this is already like our first supersized hypercube episode. So it's <laughs> I think we should cut it off there. But I think in conclusion, Calamity is brilliant. Masterclass in DD, masterclass in storytelling, period, I would argue. Period. Um it is I, I would highly encourage anybody who hasn't already seen it to watch it. And I hope you did before you listen to this. But yeah, I'm still learning lessons from it, looking back on it, and mm-hmm. there is no doubt it's something that's, that will and has changed our perspective on how to tell stories in the tabletop medium. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's a masterpiece. There's nothing, nothing short of a masterpiece. And, the, yeah. just the, and it gets to the core of it, too, of storytelling. Of, it never forgets that core of the emotional resonance yeah. of just like, what does this mean to the human condition? And yeah, I, first off, I don't know if I've ever seen that many tissues at a table, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was certainly in tears for a lot of it in ways that I wasn't entirely expecting. It was so, so touching and so emotionally, uh, emotionally profound. Um, and yeah, thematically incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. There is, there's, there is no end to the amount of good things we could say about this again no joke as somebody who is prone to uh hyperbole <laughs> i have i have personal uh aspirations for my gming this is beyond those aspirations like like whatever i could imagine the best of my ability is this is i can't even imagine touching what brandon has done it's so oh good. yeah uh, yeah absolute masterpiece like i said yeah. Just go watch it. Like, there's, you yeah. just have to watch it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Our, I watched the roundtables twice. I, I know yeah. you <laughs> Oh, yeah. Good, great material. Great material. All right. Well, I better go ahead and wind this down. But thank you all very much for listening. This has been the Hypercube Podcast. 
This show is edited by Lauren Pacheco, mixed by Rafael Pacheco, with theme music by Mono Memory. Until next time, we'll see y'all later. God bless. I'm going to need you to roll a constitution save. <laughs> That's my outro for today. <laughs>